You are listening to Yo Teach, the Iowa Council of Teachers of English podcast, episode two. Upcoming on this month's show, a recap of the March ICTE writing retreat, tips on how to sustain yourself during the month of March. I talked to pre-service teacher Chris Appling, and of course, book talks to keep your reading momentum going. Hey everybody, Austin Hall here. As a member of the publications team of the ICTE Executive Board, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the Yo Teach podcast. The podcast is produced every month for your enjoyment, and notes from each episode can be found at the online home for ICTE, www.iowaenglishteachers.org. Be sure to check out the website for all things ICTE. You can also follow our organization on Twitter at ICTE underscore board, and find us on Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now, let's get to the show. As listeners of the first episode of this podcast know, I had a chance to sit down with Haley Maylis last month to discuss the first ever writing retreat presented by ICTE. The event was held on Saturday, March 4th, and by all accounts, proved to be a great success. This time of year seems to get so hectic, and I can say, being one of the nearly 25 in attendance, that the day provided a great opportunity to pause, reflect, write, and reorient myself. There was energy, there was laughter, and there was writing. Not a bad way for any English teacher to spend a day, if you ask me. One of the highlights of the day for me was having the opportunity to, in true Iowa writing project fashion, read an excerpt from Christine M. Dawson's book, The Teacher Writer creating writing groups for personal and professional growth, and discuss it with a few of my fellow teacher writers, Denise McAleer and Sheila Benson. Here's a little taste of the lively conversation and learning that took place in our small group. We have to think about this in terms of what this is going to look like in your classroom someday. That's not the only reason we write. Yeah. And um, I started off class actually this semester, the methods class that everybody takes, um, with a little one page thing that I was modeling how to do it. And I said, you know what? I need to write every day. And I've kept a journal for a long time and then I stopped because I was very regimented and I was like, I gotta get a certain amount of time mm-hmm. in or it doesn't count. And this semester I said, no, I'm just gonna, if I get words on paper every day, that's good and sometimes it's a sentence mm-hmm. and I'm not going to beat myself up over it and I right. think that's what this is talking about too is that it, we spend so much time saying well that doesn't count as writing and this does yeah. and we're supposed to be doing stuff that's going to show up in our classroom it's the act of writing that professional that, growth and everything we do instead of personal that, um, that it's what happens to you as a writer the Yagelsky quote at the end of page 3 mm-hmm. the act of writing Whatever happens to a text after it is written does not affect what is happening to the writer as she or he is writing that text. That is, that's my favorite part of this whole thing. That who cares if it doesn't even go anywhere? I changed because yeah. I wrote it. Well, and I, I mean, and earlier in that, um, under that writing as invention part, mm-hmm. uh, the second paragraph starts, writing represents an active process. And I feel like that ties in so perfectly with teaching and writing about teaching because it's like, that idea of working towards something that 
whether that's like this ideal perfection or whatever that we're never going to reach but the fact that you're doing it mm-hmm. that you're I don't know I, f- I think back to like because I'm, I'm not in one of those places right now where I feel like I write consistently or anything right. like that but when I do like set aside that time and I actually like it's amazing how quickly that groove can sort of happen mm-hmm. and like how the writing gets better when you're you know mm-hmm. in it consistently and um so yeah i just think that or it being a social they talked about it being a social thing uh-huh. keeping the audience i loved that where yep. um whether you want to share it or not just having like if someone were reading this what would they be feeling and mm-hmm. i think that adjusts your writing completely um keeping your audience if it's for someone else to write or to read Mm-hmm. I think we kind of have to have both, like the, the stuff that nobody sees and then the stuff that you say, okay. It's a whole, I'm, I'm, this is changing how I think about how I teach writing. Because I'm always thinking of it in terms of a task that has to yeah, be Yeah, and that's what they were saying at the end of it, is that as teachers, we just automatically, whenever we read something, we tend to bring it into the classroom and how it would transfer there. Right. Instead of necessarily our own writing, we just see it as a teacher, through a teacher lens. Yeah. Because now this is making me think about, <laughs> I might have to redo how I teach my class. <laughs> I do that all the time. It can be you know, frustrating. Because like, I've always Some teachers taught... teach the same way all the time, I... and I'm like, I every year I change it. Because I read something, or the kids are different. I mean, that's a big one. Yeah. I, I think that's what you have to do. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't uh, imagine. No, yeah, I, I don't know. I think of those teachers who like before going to summer they're like making their copies or whatever for next year i'm like what? you haven't even yeah like you don't know one who you're dealing with your... yeah and yeah. so no i agree with you 100 percent on that and that's why it's kind of difficult because my first week is just exploring right and then i'm like okay i gotta figure out what i'm doing this year and it's very stressful because you've already started mm-hmm. school and you're like, oh, so what am I going to do this year? And but it's I, not because I don't know what I'm doing, but it's right. more, this well, is a totally different group. But that's so vital going back to what you are talking about, about that like classroom environment for them to be willing and comfortable to share mm-hmm. with each mm-hmm. other. Because if you don't do that, then, I mean, I feel like that's, oh, I don't know. Like from the outside, I feel like it's very easy for people to say, like, what's the point of that? Well, like, mm-hmm. like having um, had a level three practicum student in my room this week. And so we were sort of talking at the end of the week, like he was just commenting on things or whatever. And I was like, well, you don't see what it took to get to that point. Like Mm -hmm. it looks like, oh, that's really clean. And like they're doing what I'm wanting them to do, you know, whatever else. But But that messy work, like writing, (laughs) you know. um, And I think that's what makes this kind of so cool to me is the writing and teaching. It seems like so similar Mm -hmm. processes Mm -hmm. that a lot of it is messy. And then maybe you get to a point where you yeah, show something some that you yeah. want to show yeah, to other true. people. But. Yeah, there's been a few screw-ups. But. Right. Well, and you bring that up because um, one of the things I mentioned to everybody before they went off on their level three experiences was because a lot of people are getting to be in writing classes. And, and they said, we have never gotten, we hear about this. 
we've never been in a classroom that's actually done it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, they're seeing it and they're thinking, wow, I just thought how it works. But there's like all that messy part that's Mm -hmm. they didn't see yet Mm -hmm. because they're not in it like all the time. Right. But it's a starting point to at least. But that's also got me thinking about how, you know, baby steps (laughs) to even get there. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's, um, that writing has to be valued mm-hmm. as not just something that you check off. Well, and like with that, I think this part here in the text where it's talking about how as teacher writers, you have that added empathy for your student writers yeah. and stuff too. I think that's something you can convey better speaking and writing sometimes yeah. too a lot gets lost and or it gets added I guess in your tone of voice when yeah you're... true yeah that moment of that first writing conference I'd ever had yeah. was the first time anybody really said I was good at writing mm-hmm. you know because you can get the comments in the grade on the yeah, paper like but that's said, not that's different same. than a voice saying yeah. it right because you gotta you gotta you know hang on to that and words don't necessarily do it like mm-hmm. a voice does Like you said, you might need that time to process and want to put it down. And a lot of times, like we were saying earlier, you gotta get it done, get it done, get it done. Because so much of so much of teaching is there's like the I gotta get this stuff done, and then there's the okay, I'm really tired and yeah. <laughs> a very non-productive day yeah. today, mm-hmm. but we're here. Um, so there's a blog post from Donald Miller that I use. Um, I actually used it a couple weeks ago when I start to feel like we're in that rut of the semester. It's called the Fallow Fields. And she wrote it to talk about reading and writing, but as a teacher too. And she makes this argument that, because it's like in Texas when the fields start to die or whatever, and there's not much growth, Mm -hmm. harvest, whatever. But she makes this point that like fallow fields are what ultimately lead to a rich harvest. So we need, as writers, we need these times where we're not, maybe maybe there's effort, but there's not a lot of, not a lot going on. A lot going on, and yeah. we need that in order to get to a point where mm, that's cool. that goes mm-hmm. on. And so I think sometimes maybe as teachers, that's something for us to think about too. Mm-hmm. Is like I don't know, because I think like individually for myself, I know I mean go 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 all the time. Mm-hmm. You you can't thrive like that. You do need those mm-hmm. down yeah. times too. And so maybe valuing that or finding some way of I don't know showing our students that we value that which mm-hmm. is hard which is hard yeah. <laughs> but well half the people here said the reason why they're here is they needed that me time that time yeah. for just you know themselves mm-hmm. and that it explore takes who they are getting out of regular environment So that's just a taste of the lively learning and connecting that took place at this exciting event. Keep your eyes open for future events provided by ICTE. I know I speak for everyone on the board when I say we hope to see you next time. You can also check out the show notes on the ICTE website for links to the Iowa Writing Project website and books discussed at the Writing Retreat. One of the real benefits of the Writing Retreat was that it offered an opportunity to reflect and recharge. And coincidentally, that ended up being the Yo Teach question for this month's episode. 
As a teacher, how do you recharge, renew, and revitalize yourself? Hi all, my name is Lauren Petrie and I teach 10th and 12th grade English at Dyke New Hartford High School. I am two days away from my spring break and I am just as antsy as my students are. I am looking forward so much to having no real structure to my days. I know I need it and I will probably want that structure back again after the week, but I am so excited to just drift from one activity to another instead of adhering to the clock. I plan on seeing good friends, finding a few new trails in Cedar Falls to run on, and I will also be giving a lot of feedback on student writing during that time. I will hopefully get a lot of time to read late into the night, and then I ha will have the opportunity to sleep until my body tells me it's ready to wake up. I'm excited to be refreshed and to feel ready to dive into the rest of the year when I come back. I hope you all enjoy whatever kind of break you are given in the next few weeks. My name is Missy Springsteen Hopp from Clarion Goldfield Dow's Middle School in Clarion, Iowa. And the thing that recharges me most this time of year as someone who does not have a spring break is actually the idea of putting myself out there more and that's definitely in the sense of being out and enjoying the weather as it turns nice but it's also with the activities you know once March hits at my school and I know in many districts it seems like you know you're getting into concert season or plays or all sorts of other activities spring sports and my calendar kind of fills up and after a winter spent hibernating and isolating myself probably a little too much i i fill my calendar with more and instead of feeling drained the busyness reinvigorates me and gets me out a part of it more so that's how i recharge in spring Those are some wonderful thoughts there in that segment. So thank you, Lauren and Missy, for being involved this month. Uh, some really great ideas and things that I think uh, all of us can really uh, internalize and think about to help us recharge a bit as we get into this uh, part of the school calendar. One of the things for me that always gives me a bit of energy uh, is when I'm able to have the experience of having a colleague or another English teacher come into my classroom and interact with me. Well, in the beginning of the month, I had that opportunity when I hosted a level three a practicum teacher from UNI, Chris Appling. Uh, and at the end of the, the week that he spent in my classroom, I uh, had the chance to sit down with him and talk to him a little bit more about uh, what he's looking forward to as he uh, is continuing the stages to enter this uh, English teaching profession, particularly in the state of Iowa right now, uh, where it's a really interesting time to be entering this field. Uh, so for the interview for this month, check out me sitting down with Chris Appling. All right, so this is Austin Hall here. Uh, for my guest on this month's podcast, I'm thrilled to have uh, Chris Appling with me. Uh, Chris is currently an undergrad student at the University of Northern Iowa, uh, and he had the 
if you want to call it privilege, misfortune, whatever, uh, to be in my classroom this week. Um, and so I thought, what a great opportunity to get uh, a, a new voice, uh, an up-and-coming voice uh, of, of teaching in the state of Iowa, uh, and pick his brain a little bit about um, what he's been thinking about as it relates to uh, uh, current state of affairs in state of Iowa education, but uh, teaching in general. So, um, Chris, welcome. Thank you for Thanks. joining me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, so one of the things, as I was sort of saying there, I, I'm really hoping this podcast is able to do is to, to bring uh, new additional voices to the conversation um, as far as ICTE goes, whether that's on our, our Facebook page, in our, at our conference, uh, at our various um, experiences that we host throughout the year. Uh, so I'm really excited to have you. Um, and what I'm really excited, and I think what I want to start with, is you have a really interesting story as far as how you have uh, wound up um, pursuing uh, profession in English education. So why don't you just sort of start off and, and fill in our listeners of what that cool story is. Okay. Um, um, and I'm really glad, I'm really excited to be a new voice in Iowa Teachers. Um, I'm a non-traditional student. This was, I was not one of those people that came out of high school like I want to be a teacher my like it wasn't a it was something I came to so I my first bachelor's degree was in political science and I worked in the Iowa Senate for three years and on campaigns in between sessions and it, a campaign took me back to my hometown um, where my mom worked at the school uh, Janesville High School um, and she I became an associate substitute for like associates that work in the classroom um, usually with special needs students and I filled in at recess and did like study halls and in special needs classrooms. And I also tutored English to Congolese immigrants at a church that same summer. And I really felt like it was really inspiring and empowering and it felt like teaching was where I wanted to be. It was really like just rewarding and I was just very like, maybe teaching is where, and cause all the teachers like, hey Chris, you should, you're like great at this, like you should be a te like you should consider teaching. That's great. And so I was like, this is where I think I wanna be. Well, what's really interesting about that too is, I mean, we think about where we're at in uh, the state of affairs with, with education here in Iowa. Um, I find it really interesting that you're uh, not only entering the profession, but seemingly so excited about entering the profession uh, right here, right now. Um, you can sort of elaborate on on that a little bit about um, you know what you're looking forward to as you've sort of made this um, second career or starting starting into the second career. What uh, what sort of you are really uh, excited about, or what's sort of really pushed you in this direction? Um, I think the more polarized um, politics has become, the more I'm excited to get in a space where you can talk about the big issues where you can read, like read across genres and like engage with different perspectives and ideas and like just generally like be able to like collaborate and corroborate and create um, institution like learning like together with a group of people is what really pushed me like because I wanted I went into politics for the community building like I wanted to help my community like I wanted to talk with people and like solve sure. problems together right and so that's what I'm really looking forward to um, I, I truly believe schools are cultural hubs of cities like there's so much amazing things that students and so many fresh voices in schools um, just like not only like sports but like poetry and art and literature all these amazing things and so i'm just really looking forward to and that's why i'm excited about teaching because i really think it can 
heal that divide in America in politics right now, those conversations that happen. Right. And I think, I mean, I think a lot of us, uh, of the members of ICTE would definitely ag- agree with you uh, in that, in the, you know, the power that that teachers have to not only uh, sort of shape that discourse, but like you said, being uh, in a school that's often the hub of that uh, excitement and energy in a particular community. Um, I think I think you hit that right on the head there. Um, I know in talking with you uh, over the past week or so, you, you've also mentioned as you're sort of looking ahead that uh, Iowa is really where, where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, maybe if you could sort of talk about that, what your, um, why Iowa has become uh, so special for you and, and what you've discovered as you've really um, immersed yourself in, uh, at least in the beginning stages of education in Iowa. Yeah, it gets me choked up just talking about how much I love, because I'm from Iowa, grew up in Iowa, my roots are here. Um, I just think about all the amazing, like my family, um, the hard work that people have put in, and just like the history of Iowa, um, people coming together to survive in an almost an unforgiving landscape. Um, like at the very start of it, I'm just, and I was one of those kids that I was like, maybe like thinking about getting out, like maybe like there's something out, else out there, like coming out of high school, like didn't know who I was, didn't know where I wanted to be. Right. Um, and I've kind of come to that, the love of like who I am, Chris from Iowa, and loving Iowa and loving like my family. And I've kind of come to that through literature, like through writing and through um, like those conversations, like talking, like as I've grown up and I've talked to them about my history and um, I've come to that more like as I've grown up and just really understanding and appreciate them for all their faults and like just appreciate people for people and just really proud of where I'm from. Oh, that's great. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, and, and speaking of that, that idea of, you know, a lot of what's maybe shaped you has come from these conversations with people. I know that's sort of how our relationship started uh, yeah. a few months ago uh, in Atlanta, Georgia at NCTE, um, where you and I had a chance to sort of talk about, about teaching and education. And I think I even joked maybe at that point that I'd have you on the podcast. Yeah. And lo and behold, yeah, here you, you are. Hey, I made um, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I guess what I'm Life really... Goals. Right. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag. Let's get that trending. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, I know you and I have talked a little bit about is um, particularly at the stage in your career where you're at right now is uh, what are some of the things that have sort of been shaping your teacher identity? Mm-hmm. I know NCTE was a really, um, you know, inspirational, motivating uh, experience for both you and myself. Uh, so maybe you could talk a little bit about that, um, how uh, NCTE, but also maybe some other things that have uh, begun to shape sort of what you foresee as your teacher identity. Mm-hmm. Um, just most recently, like just that sense of, I think across what brought me really back into the teaching profession and made it very rewarding and empowering for me is that sense of community. Um, I definitely got that in NCTE. The incredible like knowledge that people were willing to share and talk about, like especially just sharing ideas, like that mm-hmm. awesome idea. Um, and the same thing happened to me at the collegiate level. Um, just my first class I came back and one of my friends who was a teacher like I had no idea I decided a week out that I'm gonna go back no idea what I was getting into and that first class I walked into and one of my great friends was in there and was like hey Chris and it was um, James Davis his uh, it was his very first it was teaching of writing Hmm. um, first class so I got the full workshop experience right off the gate and it was just like just like community like just um, just that knowledge and it was very very empowering. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and 
you know, you talk about um, Dr. Davis and, and also uh, your friends seeing that familiar face mm-hmm. and stuff that's really maybe inspired you or, or driven you down this path a little bit. Uh, I'm curious, maybe digging a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. uh, further back in, in your past and specifically teachers that uh, maybe you have had that have uh, shaped or impacted or influenced uh, you as you're beginning to sort of think of yourself as a teacher. Maybe what are some um, some aspects that you recognize in teachers that you've had that maybe you think you might take on for yourself in some way? What really empowered me like back in probably like fourth or fifth grade, uh, I had a really great teacher named Miss Fleckenstein, Judy Fleckenstein. I still, we'd still talk on Facebook every once in a while. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she's, but she, and she, it was a talented and gifted program, but she really just created a maker space, like a creative space where we could go in and talk to each other. And it was just like, we had fun, like activities that she planned, like a paper airplane, like uh, project where we made and read books and like she just made it very open and inviting and that's something that I look for in all my teachers like that student choice hmm. like she kind of gave it to us um, that we could pick what we wanted to write about and um, just opening up like allowing us to engage with the content yeah. instead of just like wrote like remember this it was just like like allowing students to engage with their learning and that's like all my favorite teachers have done that hmm. And so that's something you definitely uh, want in your classroom. Yeah, I want to make my classroom a place where students can really fully, authentically and like actively engage with their learning at their own pace and like make it, I want them to craft their, find their own voice hmm. through the English classroom, like to craft their own worldview um, however they want, like just want to build up so they like get those fresh perspectives and yeah, just open, like make it a creative space for students to come and learn and enjoy and and it seems like that's something where you're maybe even merging your first and second career together, where you're talking about helping students find their voice. And maybe that's something, you know, in the political realm that you had, you know, hopes for or whatever. It's yeah. Sort of blending of the two. Absolutely. Yeah. It definitely is because I wanted, that's something I didn't get, I wanted to like, I don't want, I don't believe everybody should have the same viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that there's value in everybody where everybody can, we're all different people and everybody's voice matters. And it just becomes so like divisive and like that's something that I like I want like people to be able to develop and talk and have those like engage like engage with the texts that are put out there like the news and um and that's something that I really want from my class like I have I've merged that you're right I've merged those two things cool no I I think that sounds I mean it sounds to me like your head is in a great place already for for still being a pre-service teacher uh, for sure um well, Chris, I think I'll have you uh, out of here on this, sort of a two-prongs question, I guess. Um, number one, I know you've talked a little bit about looking forward. I'm curious what you, what you think is like the number one or number two uh, things that you're looking forward to uh, once you get your own classroom and you, you really dive into this profession. Uh, and secondly, uh, is there anything that you've uh, learned throughout your, the second undergrad experience that you're really uh, excited to try or bring to your classroom? The what I'm looking forward to, I'm definitely just excited to get out into like, like I said, that cultural like to in my classroom. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely get out in the classroom and meet the students and um, just really to go from there. And that's also a scary part, like because it's like unknown. <laughs> like I don't know where I'm gonna end up yet. I don't know what the like the political climate is gonna be like when I'm like teaching. Um, but I'm really excited to get out and meet the students. I'm looking forward to like just like that student teaching experience and just getting out and like being in 
the teaching classroom, like being in a school and just like growing from there, like setting my roots and just like being able to grow with the students. Right. What, uh, what I've learned uh, from things that I'm really excited about, I th- like definitely like, like first workshop experience, like definitely excited to take that into my classroom um, right now. In the teaching English class I'm in, we're working with like in the middle Nancy Atwell. Um, awesome. no, notice a note. Really excited to like implement that in my classroom, and we've worked with Socratic circles. Um, on my own at NCTE, actually, the recommended uh, teaching for joy and justice by Linda Christensen. Okay. Um, which is something that I'm really excited to implement. That that windows and mirrors, like giving students of new viewpoints, but also mirrors to see themselves, and. Teaching social justice isn't necessarily about teaching the issues in your class, but like giving students an equal opportunity to engage with their learning. And that's, that's justice in a classroom um, if, so that they can actively um, participate. And that's what's fair, like fair and just in a classroom. Right. Social. Yeah. No, that, that sounds really cool. And uh, I'm, I know as uh, a teacher who, uh, has been in the middle of it here for seven or eight years. I love hearing those names uh, that you're being exposed. I guess mentor uh, educators of mine. Uh, it seems like you're uh, going to be messing around with some some great some great ideas and great people to get you off on. I right would definitely it. I would put you on the list of like ah, your, well, thank your, you your your reading strategy class um, that choice the implementing of students being able to read their own like choosing their own books and like creating a classroom around that uh, model is really inspiring too. And that's something I would love to implement in my classroom as well. So. Well, well, thank you. It's, it's been a joy having you here for the, the week. And uh, I hope all of our listeners are able to uh, take something out of, out of this conversation. Uh, I know if, if you are a representative of what's to come in the future of Iowa education, I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot more positive stories that we'll be reading about with that than negative awesome. uh, than, than we've been hearing, hopefully. I hope so. so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Chris. Thank you. And uh, thank you for listening. This month, I'm thrilled to talk to you guys about a couple of books that I know are going to keep yourselves and your students reading until the wee hours of the morning. The first book I'm going to talk about is Scythe by Neil Shusterman. Scythe is one of those books that I had seen a little bit about on uh, Twitter over the past few months. Uh, it's a pretty recognizable book cover, and it's one that I, I had seen a lot but didn't really know much about until November, when after NCTE, I uh, stayed in Atlanta for the Allen uh, Conference, um, and I got to see Neil Shusterman speak, and specifically speak about this book. Uh, I knew at that point that it was going to be a book that my students were going to love, and let me tell you, I cannot keep the book on my shelves of my classroom library this semester. Scythe is the first of what is uh, expected to be, I believe, a trilogy uh, written by Neil Shusterman, who you um, may know from the Unwind Dystology. Um, And Scythe is definitely a dystopian, futuristic uh, sci-fi book, um, but it's totally unlike um, these other blockbuster-type dystopian uh, series that you're familiar with. Um, The overall uh, premise here in Scythe is that it's a futuristic world, futuristic society uh, that almost seems utopian. There's no hunger, there's no disease, there's no war, there's no misery, there's no no nothing. 
Um, but the problem that's resulted of all uh, of the impact of all of that um, is that the population uh, is in growing is is growing to a huge margin, uh, and so to combat this, uh, there are people known as scythes who are actually the ones who cause death. They are the only ones that distribute death, uh, and they refer to this as gleaning. Now, the thing here about being a scythe is that uh, you can't be a scythe if you want to be a scythe. And in fact, uh, the only people who, who become appointed to be scythes are ones who don't want the job because they know that they're going to be uh, doing it in a, in a way that uh, is not murder, is not um, you know, uh, feeding into their own desires, but it's just something that they know must be done. So the book opens up with one of uh, one of these sides, sides Faraday, uh, and he takes on as apprentices uh, two young um, two young teenagers uh, named Citra and Rowan, a uh, girl and a boy. Uh, and so the first couple chapters are all about. Scythe Faraday taking these two under his wing and sort of teaching them uh, the arts of gleaning. Now, ultimately, where the book really picks up uh, is that every uh, few months, um, the sides in the United States uh, meets, uh, and it almost feels like a uh, priestly get-together. They refer to them as conclaves. And at this first conclave, what happens is uh, it's brought to everyone's attention there that Scythe Faraday has taken on uh, two apprentices. Uh, and that is something that is frowned upon. Uh, certainly you can take on uh, one to sort of show them the ropes and ultimately have them become sides. Uh, but but having two uh, is kind of an issue. Uh, and so when that gets brought to light, there's a little bit of a commotion. And ultimately what happens is it's decreed that uh, over the following year, as they're going through this apprenticeship, uh, only one of them will in fact be able to become a scythe. Uh, and what is determined to be the first action of that person uh, when he or she, when Citra or Rowan uh, becomes this scythe, is that he or she is going to have to glean the other one. Uh, and it's at that point where you realize really how 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 dark um, this world that Neil Shusterman creates um, is. Uh, and that's really where the excitement and the action and the anticipation uh, in the plot of this book really takes off. Um, like I like I said, it, it's definitely uh, up there with your other dystopian uh, books that your students and, and you guys, I'm sure, uh, have enjoyed, whether it be Hunger Games, Divergent, that type of thing. Um, the rights have already been sold to make this a movie, and uh, I the, the next book uh, is going to be coming out in 2017, probably November, I think. 2017. So uh, this has been a huge hit in my classroom. Uh, I think I have like two or three copies of the book and I just can't keep it in the room. Uh, and people keep saying, hey, when's where's the next book? And I, I have to tell my students it's, it's not out yet, unfortunately. So uh, first book I definitely recommend, Scythe by Neil Schusterman. The second book I'm going to talk about this month uh, is one I read just a couple weeks ago when I had my own spring break. Uh, and it's called The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Uh, this is a book I'm sure uh, many of you have heard about. Uh, it has been uh, out in the news for weeks, for months. Um, and really what's interesting about this book, it's written by Angie Thomas. Uh, and this is her debut book. Uh, but there were 13 different publishing houses that were craving the manuscript. They were fighting uh, for it. Uh, ultimately, it went to HarperCollins, and the movie rights have already been uh, acquired. Uh, and so this is a book that, uh, even before it hit um, bookstores, uh, was really 
uh, really one that a lot of people were anticipating. And I have to say, uh, I can see why. Uh, this was a great read and, and one that I think uh, is a must read for uh, anyone in the uh, high school level, teacher, student, frankly, any human uh, really would be better off reading this book. Um, the book is uh, essentially about a 16-year-old girl named Star Carter, uh, and she lives in uh, Garden Heights, but she goes to school 45 minutes away uh, at the school called Williamson, which is the private prep school. The school is uh, largely white, Star Carter, uh, black, uh, coming from African-American family. Really, the early part of the book is is about code switching, frankly. Uh, Star Carter uh, essentially navigates two identities uh, to fit in at home and at school. And it's a really, uh, really effective look at, uh, at, at two different cultures and sort of how, uh, how one navigates uh, between the two of them. At home, Star is characterized as very wry, tough talking. Uh, she obsessed with Air Jordans uh, and that type of thing. Whereas at school, she's a Harry Potter super fan. Uh, she loves the Jonas Brothers and she carefully scrubs any trace of slang from her speech patterns. Uh, she knows what she needs to do to fit into uh, each environment uh, and she does so really effectively. But the issue that uh, happens is very early on in the book, uh, after a party, uh, she's driving home, or she's riding home, I should say, with uh, her childhood best friend, uh, and they get pulled over. Uh, and uh, the best friend uh, gets shot and killed by a police officer during what seemingly is a routine traffic stop. And as a result, that distance between those two worlds and her two identities uh, does nothing but grow further apart. Uh, and as this incident builds momentum, uh, it trends on Twitter and it becomes a nationwide story. And Star is thrust down this path of self-discovery. She's forced to, to really think about who she is, what she believes, uh, and what's worth standing up for. Um, as I said, uh, the, the book had been uh, chased after by all of these uh, publishing houses, and uh, I, it really is a phenomenal book. The characterization is great. The voice is great. Uh, really, particularly for a debut uh, novel, uh, this is uh, Angie Thomas uh, screaming uh, that she she is here, uh, and I think that she's going to stay here in the world of uh, YA lit for quite a while. So, um, I would definitely give it five stars. Uh, highly recommend "The Hate You Give" by Angie Thomas. Thanks for listening to the Yo Teach podcast. I hope you enjoyed this month's episode. Look for episode number three next month. If you enjoyed what you heard, please let us know by reaching out to us on Twitter at ICTE underscore board, following our Facebook page, or commenting in our Facebook group. Also, be sure to bookmark our website, www.iowaenglishteachers.org, and check it out often. That's where you'll be able to find show notes from this month's episode that include all the pertinent links and info. One of those links will direct you to a Google form where you can let us know what other topics you'd like to hear discussed in future YoTeach podcasts and other ways we on the executive board can continue to support you. Let us know. With April being National Poetry Month, the YoTeach question for next month's podcast is, what is your favorite poem? I would invite you to submit recordings of you reading your favorite poems, 20 lines or fewer, including a little background about why that poem is a fave. 
As always, these submissions can be sent my way to ahall, A-H-A-L-L, at dowlingcatholic.org. I will also gladly accept submissions of book talks to be aired on future podcast episodes. Your participation is important to and valued by us. We can only hear from you if we hear from you. So please, take the plunge and get involved. Music for this episode from the Free Music Archive by Josh Woodward, BOPD, Kevin McLeod, and Broke for Free. Thank you also to Sheila Benson, Denise McAleer, Chris Appling, Missy Springsteen-Hopt, and Lauren Petrie for their contributions to this month's show. Thanks again, ICTE. Until next time, this has been your host, Austin Hall, signing off from Yo Teach, the official podcast of the Iowa Council of Teachers of English.